listener production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that just handed down a $4 billion surplus. Oh, no, no we didn't. That was the Australian government. Anyway. We'll take the credit. We, we will. <laughs> we being Mr. Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, sir. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm Scott Phillips. He is the founder, the managing director, the chief cook and bottle washer, the just savant extraordinaire who runs strawman.com, the world's largest, most important business ever run by Andrew Page. That's all I can do with that one, mate. Sorry. I love it. Very hyperbolic. I love it. Wasn't it good? Wasn't it good? I just can't remember what it does. Never, never mind. You can make you can make you can make something uh, very very small, ordinary sound, very grand. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I think there's another word for that. We won't use that on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> how you been, buddy? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty did you, good. Did you stay up on um, yeah. Tuesday night and watch the budget? I I did, and I'll be honest with you, I can't. Missed out. It's too. <laughs> It's, it's I too painful. Up a storm. I love watching the budget. I love the yeah. budget. I'm a I'm a horrible horrible oh, Pollyanna. I just I, it's just cool. I, I, I you know what I can't God. take. I just can't take. You know, I have my rant early out of the way here. I <laughs> I can't take. The media's focus is what does it mean for you? So that's oh, the only thing that matters. Loses my biggest pet hate. Yes, you know what I mean. It's yes. just I mean obvi- obviously all of us do sort of yeah. you know yeah, yeah. reflected on but but it is a it's a federal government budget. It's yeah. for the nation. You yeah. know I'm not not trying to sound too I don't know patriotic if that's the right <laughs> word or whatever. But it just it feels yeah. like the focus is very um, uh, granular, mm-hmm. uh, too granular, mm-hmm. and the hot takes from a lot of the journalists they just a, a lot of, so many things just get uttered. As if they are a statement of scientific fact, <laughs> and it's just sort of like oh, I question some of these assumptions that that you're that you're making here. And mm-hmm. and again, it's just you know what what do you expect from someone who's uh, I mean, this is an incredibly diverse, detailed sort of topic, and you've studied journalism and you've been in the field for five years. I, I'm not I'm not trying to be too critical. I don't know how uh, you, you get are. your head across all of these, but I, but it is it's frust- it's yeah, just yeah. frustrating when there are really interesting important discussions to be had, but we stay at this really sort of year nine level <laughs> and that, and what does it mean for us? It's just frustrating. What does it mean for us, Andrew? Well, oh, it yeah. means that we're going to make, it means Go that on. we're going to make more money than we spent for the first time in 15 years. Which is a hell of a thing, right? I mean, that's, you yeah. know, I, I have ranted before about the lack of structural budget balance. This is not it, by the way. This was no. a cyclical surplus that should have been, 10 times larger than it was if the budget was actually structurally balanced. But it was a surplus. And frankly, as you say, mate, for the last 15 years, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth. Maybe I should say, thank you, Mr. Chavez. Take the money quickly before it disappears again. Well, the 15 years ago, it was a gift from heaven as well. Don't don't forget. That was the mining boom, right? It was too. So, do you know, like, you know, credit mm. where it's kind of due. I'm not trying to sort of throw shade unnecessarily here. It was at Costello at the time or whatever. But again, the, the, you, you've hit the nail on the head here. These are structural issues that need structural solutions. So you celebrate the wins when they come, but you mm. just don't want to sort of be in a situation where you're you kind of reliant on these mm-hmm. random wins to sort of make the books balance. Yeah. It's um 
it's a challenge, mate. I, by the way, I, I did like the way I'll get the rant out of the way early as if that's going to be the last one of this podcast, which yeah, I thought right. was ambitious yeah. of Good you. Point. There's a few yeah, early listeners going, oh, they only do one a pod, an episode. Wow, that's interesting. Everyone else is like, oh, no, that's not the rant. This is one of the rants. There's, there's, more, there's more coming. <laughs> I, think, I think more people than not are actually here for the rants than more than anything else at this point. Exactly. <laughs> at what point do we stop being, uh, stop being uh, a finance podcast and just start being one of those, you know, car crash must listen podcasts about just anything? I think the transition's already underway, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that, missed that boat. Um, yeah, yeah uh, so I I thought it was a pleasant surprise to see a surplus. The yep. Treasury is forecasting the deficits now as far as the eye can see. But I did see something in the – we're recording this, by the way, on, on Wednesday, a day earlier than usual. You're going to be, as people listen to this, you're probably just finishing off a two-day Australian Shareholders Association meeting, I understand. Yeah. Well, yeah, really, really honoured actually to be to emceeing the uh, conference in Sydney. I got to do it last year in Melbourne. Fantastic. It's always just fun rubbing shoulders with other in passionate, engaged investors. Retail and investors. Retail, <laughs> private <laughs> investors. Um, yeah, it, it, so it's good fun. So, yeah, I'll be doing – that's why we're recording a day early. Straw should have something for private investors. We are. We are. We're, we're actually, we've got a private investment online club only for, Is that right? for private investors. Yes, Didn't we do. You know that. Yes. That's fascinating. Yep. There you um, go. Back, to, back, to, back to me. Um, deficits, as far as the eye can see, though, one article I was just saying, written in today's paper, Wednesday's paper, suggests that uh, the Treasury may have actually been too conservative. Uh, and one journal, at least, is expecting that surpluses may well continue into next year as well. $4 billion is a positive, came on the back of a $22 billion boost in commodity prices. So take that back out, shows you how big uh, a hole there is structurally in this budget. Um, I'm going to just, I'm going I'm to make you do the the uh, newspaper thing for a second. I'm going to ask you about winners and losers, but I'm going to ask you to give the budget a grade. No detail yet, just oh, a grade. I was hearing that on the radio this morning, actually. F. Yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, gosh. I... I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was okay. I, I, I three and a half. Can I give three and a half? You give three and a half. I, I tell you the things I didn't like. Sure. Three and a half out of five. It, is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. Three and a half out of five stars. Um, that's not bad. You know, seventy percent pass. I, I look. It, there's a couple of things that sort of stuck in my craw. Um, no surprises for guessing the ongoing stimulus to property. I think is just <laughs> ill-informed. Well, uh, the definition- ongoing stimulus or just no change to policy? There's not, there wasn't additional stimulus per se, was there? Uh, I think you can now with oh, a friend. Doesn't, just just be an acquaintance. You and I can buy yeah, our first home together. <laughs> we only have to put 5% deposit on it. So we've done, right. we've, done, we've done various flavours of this before. It's never worked. I mean, it, it kind of feels like it works, but it's, it's actually – Someone made the point ages ago. I think it was Steve Keen. It's like actually a vendor's grant because it's the person selling that's that's getting the money, you know. And of course, everyone it has the effect of just ratcheting up prices. So from an affordability lens, it doesn't actually sort of change anything. And for someone who seems to be is in the, the prime minister really trying to tackle this this housing crisis, it just it's just so on the surface. And once you dig below, bonkers, crazy, and not going to do anything to address it. So that that was a bit annoying. Um, they got a bit I of million in your homes, though, mate. In five years, apparently. Yeah, not nearly enough. Scratch, scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. I actually went out. I went down towards Goulburn um, on the weekend, mm. and you're passing a number of these sort of new developments. And gosh, they're depressing. I, you know, they're just, I drove past those just a centimetre <laughs> apart from each other. There's not a tree as far as the eye can see. Yep. You know, blue board, cheaply mm-hmm. built. Just you know, and people have got no choice. Like, where else do you sort of afford a new home? But it's sort of there's no infrastructure sort of built around them. So. Mm. 
is that really going to address some of the, the chronic issues that we have in our in our big cities? Seventy mm. percent of the of Australians live in a big city, right? So mm. it's sort of um, it's a yeah. It's I just don't see it as as moving the dial. No, I don't think so either. Um, so okay, so three and a half out of five um, housing. Yep, you'll have a rant on. Uh, I'll have a rant on that. What, what Can I give you- another quick? Yeah, go well, on. Another, another, another downside too, there was a lot, this is where some of the hot takes really sort of bugged me was the, there was an increase in payment uh, in regards to welfare. And the first thing that really bothered me was just like how inflationary that's going to be. And it just sort of, I've made the comment before, but no one talks about the inflationary risks of executive pay, for example. It's only sort yeah. of seems, seems to be there. And, and I think when you, again, look at it in a, an affordability, cost of living kind of standpoint, mm. you bet people are still behind when mm. you account for inflation. And it's already happened inflation, right? So to sort of, you know, I guess I get that you're throwing more money at it and the rest of it, but I think someone who is, who is hand-to-mouth scraping by, this is not the big dial mover that you, you hope hope that it's going to be. Mm. Um, so, and I'm, I'm all for, I think actually forget sort of the, the, um, uh, humanity of it. I think purely fiscally, financially, economically, it, it really makes sure that it's good to make sure there's a very adequate safety net to help mm. people help themselves and get back on their feet. So I'm a big, big proponent of that. And yep. it didn't bother me at all that there was, I think there was particularly aged care staff and the rest of it. Just gosh, I mean, imagine doing a week worth of uh, someone's job in that. You, you don't know how tough it is. Yes. Um, and, and the pay is ordinary. So I'm also very supportive of that. Where I'm not supportive is what they call middle-class welfare. Mm. And I just think that is bonkers crazy, <laughs> partic- particularly <laughs> in the context of an inflation crisis. Mm. Um, now, look, I, I say this as a recipient of middle-class welfare. Yep. There's been a bunch of stuff that-, that who's not that these takes- days? That's the problem with middle-class welfare, right? Everyone gets a handout right. for something or other. I'm taking it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that noble. I'm not sending the check back. Right. (laughs) But it's it's crazy. I don't need it. Yeah. You mess. It makes things easier. But again, you've got to think it through at a higher level. It makes it easier for everyone. This is what's adding to, to price pressures. Mm. Um, So yeah, that, that was another little wrinkle, let's call it, that I was less than pleased about. What did you actually like? Did you find things to like, Andrew, or were you just just in one of those moves today? Come on. It's got to be something. Um, I, well, again, I think that I think the <laughs> increase in payment to certain sectors, I think that was very justifiable. Um, gosh, it's embarrassing. I can't I can't pick out too many things. No, that's I was, all good. Let me. What let do me, you think? Oh, yeah, I was going to give my thoughts. You can you can uh, either bounce off that or come up with some thoughts. Uh, well, well, I, I, I can give you a shoot from the hip reactions. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. That's how um, I roll. So, I've I've called this a potholes budget. Um, uh-huh. Because I think it was one of those budgets where not much in any significant sense was done at a, at a kind of macro level. This feels like a budget and a very labor budget. I don't I don't use the word labor budget as a or the phrase as a pejorative or, or a, a positive. I'm just saying just it, it's a very typically labor budget. Um, so uh, single parents, job seekers, uh, GP, bulk bill incentives, um, rent assistance. This felt like a a budget where they kind of look back at the potholes that they see, they, they believe the former government left and said, okay, well, we need to fill these things in. Um, I'm going to give it a four, mate, um, rather than three and a half, and not, not, to, uh, not to un-one-up you. Um, I think, and it's, it's a funny old time in, in the economy because most of that four or maybe, maybe most of you know, the last point or so is actually just for resisting the urge to go and spend the money. You know, with an unexpected budget benefit, um, I read something this morning that 87% of the unexpected upside was kept rather than spent. Mm. And that's got to be for a government, for a treasurer, for a PM, 
of any stripe or any party really, really, really difficult to resist the urge to do, right? You kind of think, well, we could fix that problem or we could buy that vote or we could shore up that part of the electorate, right? We could, we could, we could hand out the lollies and look really good or we could keep the money in the back pocket and do the right thing by the budget. And, you know, we talk a bit about with investing counterfactuals, right? The things that could have happened but didn't. And I mm. kind of think that's, I'm giving him a decent amount of credit for the, count, the, the lack of the counterfactual. If he'd have yeah, said, hey, the budget, the budget forecast is for a deficit of $40 billion. I handed out a budget with a deficit of $37 billion. See, I improve things, you're welcome. By the way, here was $40 billion for my pet projects. And that's, you know, that, that's not, uh, I'm sure there was still, well, I'm absolutely certain there are electorally based uh, decisions in, in this budget. So I'm not suggesting he's not at least considering the political ramifications, but uh, a decent, decent couple of points for doing that and getting that reasonably right. Um, mm. So I, I think I'd, I think I'd, I'd, I'd say that I think I like you, mate. I, I can't argue with um, you know a single parent who thinks that a kid wants to go from seven seven years to eight years old, all of a sudden can fend for themselves, and mum doesn't need or dad doesn't need the the sole parent pension. I think increasing that to fourteen is a no brainer. If you care about yep. the kids, that's what you do. Um, mm. Job seeker increased by forty bucks a fortnight sounds completely reasonable to me, given how low those numbers already are. You can do your dog bludger rants if you want, but um, it just seems yeah. it seems very reasonable. See how far that, an know. extra forty bucks a week goes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this, you know, then it's already it's fallen massively in real terms compared to wages exactly. and inflation over the last couple of decades. So I have I can't I can't complain about that one. Um, I do think what I have said mate, on on other media appearances is actually just just to your point about inflation. I, I agree with you in in uh, to to a large degree, in fact, almost entirely. But what I have said to people is there are two things that are that can be true at the same time. The numbers are the numbers are the numbers. And they have an impact. And and what you do with the maths is the maths. Whether those maths are justifiable or worthwhile, that's a very different question. So people say to me, mm. is spending that money likely to put pressure on inflation? The answer is yes, by definition. If you add demand to the economy d- and deliberately do it, then you are making it more likely prices to go up than say flood or go down. That's just, that's just maths. It's just it literally supply and demand. Now, is mm-hmm. it justifiable? I think yes. But those those things can be true at the same time. And I think I think often and it's in- also it's also too which this is a multi inflation is is driven by a multitude of factors. Of course, absolutely. So even when you say yeah, it has an impact, it's yes. like yeah, but but if we're talking about the thing that has the thirty first biggest mm-hmm. impact, it's sort of like we're we're really not having the main the, the conversation we need to have. Yeah, correct, correct. So, so I th- but I think I think it's worth saying. I think we lose some of that in some of the public debate. You either say, well, of course it's bad because inflation is going up, or of course it's justifiable because so like, no, both can be true. You know, Chalmers yeah. tried to pretend that the energy handouts weren't going to be inflationary. It's like, well, you, it, I mean, yeah. nice try, dude. Like you know, and I get it because you want you, you want to be able to say that so that no one gives you a hard time about it. So when the opposition says you're just soaking inflation, you get to say no, I'm not because X, Y, Z. I get the policy politics of it, um, the reality is the energy handout is going to add to inflation. Is it justifiable? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. So so let, let's actually accept that and then and then yeah. move forward from there. Again, I'm not saying it's going to cause inflation. I'm going to I say, uh, you know, I mean, we mock- You can mock, see- Go on. Well, I was going to say, you can see why though, right? Like imagine if oh, you totally. said that. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, you've just given a massive talking point to the other parties. Like he said mm-hmm. it, his own words, it's going to be inflationary. Here's a treasurer who has just admitted publicly that he has a policy that's going, you know, so- yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of politics at play here, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's infuriating. I hear you. I totally hear your point. You're 100 percent right, but I guess that's why you, you very you choose your words carefully. Correct, correct. So I think I think that's you know, um, so I think that's that's worthwhile. I, I he loses a point for not addressing in any seriousness any of the structural problems with the budget. Re- really, honestly, this was a straight out case of. 
um, I, I'm going to fill in those potholes, but I'm doing nothing meaningful to change the budget structure. And mm. you know what people say to me? Oh, well, look what happened to Shorten when he tried it. So if you're in a government just to warm the seats and not do anything at all and just kind of then give it, give, give it up. Let someone else have a go. You know, if you're so desperately yeah. worried about losing your, your your role or your job or your seat that you won't actually do the right thing by the country, then do move out, move out of the way. Now, I'm not saying Chalmers is saying that or believes that, but I do absolutely think that it's a very hard case to make that he did anywhere near enough to actually fix the problems. He might have inherited them. Uh, the other mob don't get any credit for leaving it a mess either. But when you say, mm. that it's their fault, they left a mess and I didn't clean it up. So, well, mm. the mess is on the floor and it's your term in government and it's kind of your responsibility. So that one I thought was was pretty sucky. Um, yep. They didn't, attack, uh, uh, didn't address stage three tax cuts, which I think are completely unjustifiable and unaffordable. Speaking of structural Madness. change. Uh, that was mm-hmm. that's an easy one. They just whiffed on. Yes, they promised it. Well, that's stupid for promising it. Again, does it excuse you for decent government policy? No, it does not. Um, mm. cho- choice between breaking a promise and having bad policy, very, very easy. Break a promise every day. If, again, if on, yep. on, the, on the country's behalf, break the promise. Um, yep. They could have done more on resource rents. They didn't. $2.4 billion on... Do you know what? Um, Can I just say on that, on, if, yeah. I had to, if I had to sell the justification for scrapping them... Mm-hmm. It's just, I think, what most people, if, if unless you're sort of more engaged with this stuff, all you hear is, oh, they're taking away tax cuts. So I was like, no, no, no. This, <laughs> how many people, what proportion of the population does it impact? Yeah. Like it's a very small amount. And that's the message. I'm going to make mm. up a number because I, I should know, but I don't. But 90% of you are not going to be affected. Yeah. And those that are are earning this much. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's that's what you need to say. And it puts this much money extra into our pockets that we can now spend on you. So we're not taking any money off you and we can spend more money on you. Yeah. How about that? Yes, there'll be whatever it is, 10% yep. and go, well, I'm still worse off you, but you're still, you're still the top 10%. And <laughs> and everyone else is like, woohoo. I, anyway, yeah, I just think it's- Not I that easy, obviously. No, well, the thing is it actually is, and this, this is why, you know, like speak of, speak of being political, Paul Keating, uh, former- Prime Minister and Treasurer from their own party said you amass political capital in order to spend it. If you're not going to yeah. spend the political capital, then get out of the way. And again, I don't mean yeah. to be... I, I, I will be as harsh about the the former government who did nothing either and left this mess. So it's not a case of Chalmers any worse than them or any better than them. It's just a case of you're the Treasurer. You have an opportunity and a responsibility to manage the budget appropriately. If you choose to whiff that for whatever reason you choose to whiff that, don't expect to give them free credit because it was hard. That's yeah. not... You're in the business to do hard stuff. If you're not there to do hard stuff, give it up. And let someone else have a go. Is, is my yep. my general view. So I, I, that's my I kind of that. general general thought on the on the budget. Um, that's just the general thought on politics, mate. Well, that's like, the you know, problem. More visionary, bold leaders. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm should with be, you. Where do I sign hard. up? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so speaking of which, can I? Go, well, yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you. What did you think about there was $2 billion towards green hydrogen? Oh, oh, oh don't get me started. And I'm not a fan. Look, again, <laughs> am I a fan of doing something to yeah. uh, help climate change? Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan oh, of that. Right. I just I know a little bit about the topic and hydrogen has its use case. It absolutely yeah. does. But it's actually a pretty thermodynamically inefficient way to mm-hmm. sort of take renewable energy and sort of store it. There's a lot of electricity sort of lost on the way. It feels to me as though... I know I've talked about it before, but um, mm-hmm. I saw Griff, uh, 
I'm blanking his name now. Yeah, so so Griffith, Griffith. Um, yeah. uh, electrify everything kind yeah. of approach, just from an engineering perspective, makes so much more sense. I think I think that money could have been better spent. Mm-hmm. It feels like kind of money spent on carbon capture. Like yes, oh, I'm, exactly, I'm for, exactly. I'm all for all for doing something, yep. but you yep. reach a point. This is why I love engineering and science because you just <laughs> opinion doesn't. It's not about opinion. Yeah, right? you right, reach a, right. a point where the engineering just tells you that this is the, not not just the engineering the economics and the engineering mm-hmm. just tell you this is better this this is this is superior so i feel as though that's that's yeah. that money could be directed in a in a better direction yeah, I think that's absolutely right, mate. I got I've been absolutely smashed on Twitter by the uh, by the usual suspects who can't see Labor doing anything wrong ever. And you know, I'm just talking about they should ban stage three, uh, get rid of stage three tax cuts, and they should do. You know, I, I'm 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 the least uh, likely to be considered an LNP stooge anytime soon. And yet, uh, you put one comment. Well, what else should they do? Or isn't it worth fixing the environment? Or don't you care about the people? Or you know, uh, of course you would say that you're a free marketer. You just want it's like none of that stuff. You're literally taking $2 billion and you're sending it in one direction on a bet. That's like yep. two bit, two, that's half of the budget. Against expert Surplus. advice. Well, Exa- you, you know? Here's, will, here's the, actually the point that you make is a really good one here. And this is, this is like from investing, very important, mm-hmm. but in this case, context too. Mm. It's not that. Am I against two billion dollars being put towards green hydrogen? Like, yeah, if it's free, then yes. I'll I'll take that. But but that is where it, it, you can't spend the same dollar twice. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe modern fractional reserve banking would argue otherwise. But <laughs> the case beside the beside the not point, the same dollar. You can invent new dollars. The, you can't create the same dollar. That's true. They're very new dollars. Um, but 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 that's that's the, the better question. I think when you're looking at anything within the budget, it's not a question of does this have its own merits because they all all do. To some yeah, degree, it, yeah. it's it's it, uh, uh, have we allocated this to the biggest uh, bang for yeah, buck? Exactly, and environmental buck doesn't even need to be financial buck. Just literally, if your job is to, to is to impact climate change as quickly as possible, and you had two billion dollars to do it, hydrogen would be the eighty fifth priority in that yes. list. I yeah. um, so I tweeted. Sounds good though. Sounds good. I, I tweeted this during during budget, and uh, uh, you got picked up on Ausbiz today. I was on Ausbiz. I, I tweeted, "Oh God." Government throwing billions in unproven technologies. A quote, renewable energy superpower, unquote. Spammy. If the technologies are proven, companies will make the investment solo. If not, the government are the mugs. And uh, so anyway, Osby's picked that up, wanted to roast me about great, it today, which was fine. Tweet. Of course, yeah. someone then comes back and Bruce, God love you, dude, says, come on, tell us Lend the weekend. The free market will solve everything. Is neoliberal BS. And I was like, Did, I didn't say any of that. And that's, that's what I mean, you know, kind of. Yeah, it's it, too it's, tribal. We're all too tribal. Well, so here's, here's what I said. Is, and this is the reply. And this is where I think I want to make my point is I said, this, so we went a couple of back and forth. He accused me of hiding behind a tree. Uh, he said, you know, and I, so I said back in, I said, look, you know, it's possible to disagree with a policy, even if you agree with the stated reason for it. Right. And that's mm. the thing. It's not, mm. there is so much in, in, in politics, in political uh, punditry and, and fandom, which is there is a problem. Therefore, anything aimed at solving that problem must be good and, and completely defensible. And any attack mm. against it is an attack saying you don't believe in the problem. It's like, it, it just, it just, there is no critical thinking. Yeah, in I think that there's a name for that logical all. fallacy. But What's yes, yeah. Very, I don't know. There's a bunch of them. Okay. I, I, I used to have a poster of them. That's, that's really right. cool, actually. Yeah. Um, but you can, you, yeah, can disagree, I, you can agree with the issue and disagree with how you're, it's planned to be solved. It, it, it doesn't, the two are completely different things. Yeah. Yep. Yep, 100%. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't, uh, you know what else you know I didn't like about the budget? This is, this is controversial, but see what you think. Uh, they're going to whack smokers with another 5% 
excise increase per year over the next three years, plus inflation on top of that. Now, two things, by the way, they're going to raise more from that then they're going to raise from increasing the resource rents on oil and gas, which I thought was just wow. it tells you more about the, in, the increase in oil and gas rents, but that's a whole different thing. I think it was a yeah. uh, uh, Greg Jericho or Peter. I'm really against it, by the way, tobacco ex- well, the, the extent of That's it. what I was going to say. I, I mm. like I'm all I'm all for using taxes. You know, they say you tax things you want less of. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. You know, if smokes were two dollars a pack, we'd have we'd have eight times as many people smoking. So I, I think sure. it's, price signals are really, I'm the, I'm the first bloke to say price signals are really, 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 really important. I'd go carbon 100%. tax, by the me way, too. rather than anything else because they're the things that say, you know, I will stop doing something that costs me too much. At some yep. point, I'm, I'm glad you agree with me. I wasn't sure where you, at some point, it's like you're yeah. just punishing people. Like if you if you can't yeah. get off the smokes, if you're, if you're going to pay 50 bucks a pack, whatever they cost these days, and yep. you still are smoking, it's purely just revenue. There, there is no public health benefit now of well, co- co- and, working and harder, it, you know? The, the demographics are such too that, again, it mm. tends to be the least advantage right. who have a higher proportion of smoking. So yeah. I agree. I mean, they shouldn't be cheap. I'm all for an excise. They've, they've done it for a long time, but it's every year like clockwork. You can guarantee that thing is going <laughs> exactly. up. But because it, it is up, easy. They're going to add more to it. That's the other thing. Like inflation is already 7%. So there's the excise yeah. this year plus another yeah. 5%. Yeah. And I just think, man, like of all the people who raise money from, the poor bastards who are addicted to this stuff, who you know? No, no one smokes yep. at that price by choice. I mean, maybe four people do, right? Just to sure. stick it up the government. But everyone else is yep. like, I don't want to spend that much money on smokes, but I'm chemically addicted to this stuff. Mm. Yeah, you just make it. You just make my life worse. And I, I just think I don't know. I find that really. It's, un, it's un, it is. It gets to the. It's just. It's. It's. There's a spectrum, and yeah. it's just moved yeah. too far to one end of it. I don't ever see it changing. By the way, no, so. No, that's true. Um, it's, just, it's just brutal. Yeah. Speaking of free markets, yes. and that kind of thing. My view is that what the government should do is um, they are there for when there are instances of market failure or where it's likely that a market won't work. Yes. And also to put guardrails and regulations in place to make sure that things that we do want private enterprise to do, they're at least not exploiting people. Or whatever. Well, I think, that, I think no, that's another market market failure for me, but you're right to call it out separately, absolutely. Do you, do you know what I mean? Just to, just to, just to separate the two. Because, yep. again, as you, it's very hard to talk about this stuff without you instantly being pigeonholed by someone <laughs> yeah. because it sounds like you're against what I firmly <laughs> yeah, believe that's in. Right. That's right. But, again, they're, they're very nuanced views and I, I, I feel as though – and I also think like there, there was a, a billion dollar in cheap loans for homeowners mm. to like put double glazed window panels in, yeah. electric hot water systems. That I think that's great. I love that. I mean, it can be execution is everything. Yep. So I mean, look at the solar panel rebate mm-hmm. for the feeding tariff. They were way too generous in yeah, hindsight, right. and the rest of it, oh, like, the, like the pink bats. I think so. In, I, in so hindsight, see, I reckon that's yeah. I reckon that's momentum. I, you, you want to do that exactly to get the early uptake to kind of kickstart the industry. I'd, I'd have no problem with that actually. Yeah, well, you know, look, of all the problems, it's a small one. And and that's my point really is what where you want to dir- help direct things, where there's a very clear benefit, particularly when there's a lot of externalities that are involved, which is exactly the problem with, with climate change. That's what government really, really needs to do. Um, uh, when so, – so utilities are a, a great – case in point, poles and wires, these, these kinds of yeah, things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> jails, um, uh, hospitals, these, these kinds of things are just uh, more amenable to that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. When they start getting in in areas where they just have no 
real competitive advantage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And where the, there's a perfectly functioning market or one that will do. And maybe it needs a little bit of a hand, a kickstart, because it does have so many benefits outside of, of the benefits to shareholders in that company alone. Yeah. Absolutely kind of do it. Otherwise, get out of the way. And again, yep. it makes you sound, again, like a libertarian or something like that. Mm. It's not. It's just, it's just about we have this wonderful mechanism that's been really good at making sure I've got affordable clothes and food and shelter and 100%. all that. That's that's free markets and capitalism. And and they need a bit of guiding at times, absolutely. You need to step in at times, absolutely. But you, you again, that pendulum can swing too far. And I think the history of of the you know the modern era has been that whenever governments have tried to to do too directly influence things. It just doesn't end up yeah, working. Right. A lot of a lot of capital gets burnt, and a lot of things get wasted. It is, and this is. I think partly it's politics. Partly it's just a, a belief they can fix everything because they want to. I I, mm. I find the car industry subsidies just a really important example of that. Right, like it's a great spend, example. How many billion did we spend over forty years pretending Australia could have a car industry, and somehow if we we'll just waste the just money, a, just another year's subsidy, maybe eventually, finally, the car industry will stand on its own two feet. It was just never going to. Any, any anyone could see that it was at best, at best, it was trying to protect an industry and some workers and look after them. At worst, it was just political, you know, handouts to make it look like we were doing things. There is nothing that speaking of electoral catnip. This is not the. I'm sure there are others, but the idea of we should make stuff here is mm. just like you want to get people coming out of the out of the woodwork. When I say we should stop subsidies from making stuff here on Twitter. Oh my goodness! The people who come and say, "Well, of course we should make stuff here because it's good, it's good to make stuff." And, and I'm like, "So well, hang on, how are you going to how are you going to replace the you you you, you want to subsidise a lower wage? We've got three and a half percent unemployment. You want to subsidise a lower wage, lower tech, more in it, more labour intensive manufacturing process because you like making stuff here rather than let that person work for higher wages and less government support somewhere else." Oh, yeah. what planet does that make sense? It just drives me bananas. Besides, the free market had chosen. We did the, oh. the reason they were shutting down in trouble because no one was buying the damn yeah. cars, right? So that's, that's just you can't make, you just can't how, make the market all unwanted because you support it. That's just quite cuckoo land stuff. Now, what's happened? What is interesting? What's happened since then? Have yeah. we had difficulty right? getting okay, <laughs> issues with issues with COVID aside? Have we had difficulties in getting cars or anything nah. like that? I mean, no. Has there been a, a massive spike in pricing? No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's mm-hmm. absolutely, I mean, trade is this wonderfully mutually beneficial thing. Mm. There, there is an exception to every rule. And and while I, I largely agree with you, there are there are certainly strategic, defensive kind of considerations for, mm. for, for certain things. I get that. I absolutely get that. Um, but yeah, but, but in in the main, it just it just tends to be a horrible horrible waste of money. Yeah. It's usually done under the cover. Of we've got to protect these workers. Oh yeah. And again, I'll come back to my point. I'm all for making sure that people are treated fairly yes. and stuff. Yes. But the, imagine if you the money you could have spent on either redundancies or retraining or oh, whatever. People don't, you can not, pay people people don't care about that cheaper. particular job. They care about a job, correct, right? And, correct. and one that's equally as fulfilling or, or whatever the case may be. But yep. but you you could have, you could have, if that's what you're, and, and when you look at the pie chart of these things and you think, wow, that's going to impact a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's 1.3% of the population. Like exactly. Coles literally yep. employs more than that entire industry. Yep. It's sort of. It just makes no sense. And here's the thing. It's not even that we don't care about those people. And, you know, I'm sure those people want the job in auto manufacturing because that's what they do. And I'm sure that they get a lot of value from it. Those things are all true. The question is, at a government level, to your point about return on investment, government has a limited amount of money to spend, short of racking up stupid debts, which, frankly, we're having issues with anyway. Which but is, let, let's assume let's that's the way we're going. Money to spend. Um, mm. the, the question is, at a total national level, how you know which, which spending are we best of going with? 
Which spending should we say, you know what? It's a shame we can't do more. Here's what we can do. It really looks after people. This is great. Mm. I will say, by mm. the way, speaking of that, the government's... I, <laughs> sounds like, you know, have you seen, you've seen Utopia, haven't you? The, the working dog. Oh, great show. Yeah. Yeah. There's the net zero authority, which sounds very much like the nation building authority if you say it quickly, uh, which is going, but, but apparently going to put work in places uh, that are going to lose coal-fired power plants, for example. That's exactly what you want to do, right? You want to say, right. we're going to make these changes. It's going to suck for you. We're really sorry, but it's necessary. What we'll do mm-hmm. is everything we can to look after you and make sure the changes we know we have to make because the responsible thing to do are as painless as possible. And mm. I can't make it go away for you because we've got to stop producing energy with coal. That's just that's just life, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I can let you swing or I can help you out. That's the least we can do, but it's also the most we should do because that's the right thing to do. Uh, wasting government money chasing these things is just, as you say, mate, it's madness. It well, it's makes wasting no our money. Right? It, says, it seems like someone else's problem when you say government money. It's, Actually, it's that's our a, money. That's a really good point. You know, Because you know what I like about that is when people say, well, you know, I, I say to people, there should be a structural deficit, uh, a structural balance, and we should cut stage three. Well, they're taking our money and, you know, they if they're not going to use it better, they can't have a say. They're going to run up a deficit. The deficit's in your name, dude. Like, you know, you're yeah. not, not by name, mm-hmm. but undersigned mm-hmm. by, you know, the citizens of Australia – that you don't get out of this. This is this is there's, there's, there is no there is no them. There is only us. Mm. The, the us has a different structure, but the Australian government is us. We are you know <laughs> we we can either have individual interests or, or the, the group interests, but there is no alternative way where the money doesn't cease to become a claim on the Australian country, the Australian society, that the people of Australia. That's that's what we're in the gun for, right? Yeah. If it happens, yeah. it happens. And 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 again, we we also need a, a more nuanced discussion on debt. Yeah. You know, it's like with companies. Bring it yes. back to the yes. investment yes. lens. If the government, I mean, frankly, the government should have borrowed squillions at 0% oh, when it had the chance yep. and invested it into infrastructure mm-hmm. that would last for decades and give real productivity boosts. Yeah. And because what you do is like, it's like any, any when you borrow money, you're obviously paying an interest expense on that. Mm-hmm. But if you're earning more in in the form of a return, that yeah. is a very smart thing to 100%. do. Risk adjusted, of course. So you know, don't want to, you don't want the country to go into the business of emu farms mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> but that's that's I'm all support, very supportive yeah. of very carefully considered debt that 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 is not so much used to be spent, but rather invested. 100%. The trouble is that we and the US in particular, and many Western countries, particularly in Europe, we're getting in the trouble where we're borrowing money just to keep the lights on, just for day-to-day operational kind of stuff. It's not an invest. It is literally money out the door with no direct expected, you know, uh, decent return on capital. It, mm. it, it's, that's, that's what's concerning about it. And just to your earlier point that it is structural and it just the maths or the government's own forecasts are saying it's going to get worse. Mm. And that's, that's probably something that's been watered down a little bit because you don't want to present the most bleak scenario, but it's – We'll all pay. We all we all will pay. We will and all it pay. might not be obvious, but I think the most likely scenario for me is we just we all pay through uh, increased inflation. Totally. Or, or, at or at or the inc- end of the day, right? But it's not even that. It's, it, it, there's increased interest bills due on a higher level of debt in future. We are literally saying to people, and I have people say to me, "Oh, why would you have a structural balance? Why would you have a budget balance with people out there doing X, Y, and Z?" It's like I get mm. it. I get it. And again, mm. if I had all the money in the world, I would fix both problems. Mm. But what you're doing is you're saying the now is important. And the future can go and get stuffed, and like yeah. there, there is no there is no consequence free world where you get to pretend that spend anything you want on now and let the future look after itself because who cares? You are yeah. you know future you and frankly future you's kids and future you's kids kids are going to have to say well thanks very much grandpa you, you cared about you then and yeah sure you put some people in work or you spent money on this or that and that's great knock yourself out but look at what you left me you so and so. 
that that's exactly my problem is that idea of somehow that you can just let the future worry about itself because we've got problems now. It is a really yep. this is this is the real world stuff. That's fantasy land stuff where we could pretend that yep. somehow now is fixable and somehow the future won't have consequences. And if we just close our eyes and, and desperately hope enough, it'll all go yep. away. It's like it just well, look at the US. Out. Look at the US, the world's oh, for now largest economy. Yeah. I, I'm going to forget the exact ranking, but the the third or fourth biggest line item in the budget, yeah, yeah, is the interest. Mm-hmm. Like just 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 the credit card debt. That's you know that, that is paying off past promises. There mm-hmm. there are there are there are consequences, and it, it, that, this is why it's called a debt spiral. Yes, because correct. you just like anyone who's gotten in over their heads with oh, a credit card loans, knows. Right? You got, that's the problem. I mean, yep. it happens at a national level and they say, yeah, but they can always print their own money. And it's like as if that solves the problem. It that's, just it, we, it steals from those. all of us, yep. you know. It's like we used to bleed people in the past when they had maladies, <laughs> right? Just just maladies, literally right. cut open a vein and bleed. It's where the barber pole comes from. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, we've, it, just, it, it just makes it worse. And this, this is unfortunate when, when you take a long view of, of history. This, this is the challenge that we will be facing in the coming decade or so. And 100%, I, I just, 100%. I don't see any way out of it except for increasing inflation. We're just like, we all poor. We might have more money in our pockets, but we're all, we're all yeah, poorer. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably some kind of financial repression. And that sounds harsher. It sounds, what that basically means is they'll restrict where pension funds can put their money. There'll be certain yeah. mandates that you have to buy certain amounts of government bonds, mm-hmm. limit capital flows, all of this kind of stuff. And that's not very a nice outcome. That's happened a lot of times in history as well. Um, and then there is the, uh, we take our medicine hard and fast. Mm-hmm. We just slash costs. We boost taxes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be super painful as well, but it kind of gets us back on the right track. Certainly politically impossible, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd kind of argue, just given the, given the system we have. And the final option is we just grow our way out of it, which is the Hail Mary. Somehow we just manage to grow at such an incredible rate. We create so much real wealth for the nation that it's, it's easy to pay back the debt, right? Yeah. Um, and it just, I, I find that, I don't know, as much as I'd like that to be true, I find that very hard. So it... it and you can deal with the problem in two ways. You can deal with the – this is where the US is at this point now with the debt ceiling. You can deal with the problem when it's thrust upon you and it's just that can just – you can kick it as many times as you like. It's just not bouncing further down the road. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, or you can start the same to, wall, right? <laughs> you know, or yeah, you can start yeah. to kind of address it now yeah. before it becomes too big a problem. Our debt to GDP is a fraction of the US. We're actually in a pretty good shape. We're, we've gone up a lot yes. uh, in the last few years, but I think – what are we, 40% I want to say from memory? Can no, fact check like me on that, that. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's not it's not anywhere near the levels of, of the US. I still go in the wrong direction, countries. by the way. I just, just but it's before, going. Before, that's before my point. Hears you and says, "Oh, that's okay. That looks better than the US." Like, no, that's not that's not okay. Being the second uh, least worse, or we're not second. You know what I mean? Uh, but yep. being being slightly less drunk than the drunk guy in the corner doesn't make you sober. Yep, exactly. And again, you you, you can you can stop drinking now and yeah. and suffer yes, the headache right. that's going to exactly. come tomorrow, or you can keep drinking and just have one warm <laughs> mother of hangovers <laughs> down the track. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Now, mate, um, let's go to something very different. It's well, it's not that different, I suppose, because it does talk to the strength or otherwise of the Australian economy. That's something that, you know, I mean, I, I half laugh, but it's it's a serious issue. And the back half of, I think, this calendar year is really going to be an important one for a whole lot of reasons for a whole lot of people. Um, some more signs maybe that either things are getting worse or that companies are finally getting religion or maybe some combination of both. Um, 
you were mentioning to me before we recorded that there's been some big tech staff layoffs. Maybe you can just run through those for us. Yeah. So um, just a couple, I just, I mean, this has been a bit of a theme for a while now with a lot of the executives that we've been speaking to at Strawman. Um, and I, I noticed more companies are just making mention of this where right. you, you say come, gaining religion, it, it, and we've talked about it before, all about <laughs> yeah. revenue growth. Yeah. Now it's more about sort of sustainable kind yeah. of growth. And, and part of the strategy, it, it appears to be, is that it's called cutting your cutting your way to greatness? <laughs> yeah. um, Not possible. Which, is it? which is, it's, yeah, yeah, it feels a bit hard. So so and and so the ones that caught my eye just this morning, and again we're recording this on on Wednesday morning, mm. uh, Wednesday afternoon. Gosh, God, the day has flown so long. Um, we had Appen. I know a lot of people will be familiar with this. This mm. was a very popular, high profile stock uh, a couple of years ago. They they provide data uh, sets to train AI on. Mm. Um, Sounds sexy. So particularly with a lot of the voice assistants and stuff back in the first, not mm. not the sort of modern day large language models, but back in the day. And they made an absolute <laughs> fortune out of that. But people took the theme of sort of AI and the growth of tech and whatever, and they ran with it. And shares got to, <laughs> oh, gosh, I've, I've closed my screen down now, but it got to some insanely high valuation. Yeah, right. Shares are since down 90%. Now we know Mr. Market can be a bit crazy at times. So say, mate, this, this was a forty dollar stock, forty dollars eight cents back in August twenty twenty. So was that two and a half years ago, almost three years ago? Now down to two dollars and thirty three cents. Forty dollars to two dollars thirty. That's brutal. Yep. So they're saying that they that, that they had a. Um, uh, last year things were down. They've now just come out this morning and said actually trading conditions have not improved. Year-to-date revenue is down 21% odd and change in the last uh, since the last year. Um, they'd already announced $10 million in annual cost savings. That's a pretty decent sum of money. Mm-hmm. They've come out and said actually we, we think we can find a further $36 million <laughs> in, in, 36? in cost to cut. Yeah, and and they're doing uh, uh, what they call a, a strategy refresh. Now, there's very few heuristics that <laughs> are very, yeah, yeah. that are very reliable mm-hmm. uh, or you know super super high probable. But yeah. whenever you hear um, a strategic review or strategy mm-hmm. refresh, it's <laughs> no one's doing that when things are going well. Revising you know? our strategic options, exactly. Yes, yeah, you know, and so they're going to focus. They've 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 read the room. They mm-hmm. they know which way the wind is blowing. So it's all about focusing on what they're calling uh, generative AI. So these are the, the chat GPTs of, of the world, which of course is expected to grow at a gazillion percent per year. So mm. it might work, by the way. I shouldn't, I shouldn't try and be too yeah, yeah. negative here. It, it might absolutely work. They, they make, like, I forget what the top line is, but it's a very, there's a lot of sales and stuff there. Yeah. But it's just the sheer size of these costs are so substantial. And it's worth pointing out too that even at $2.33, if you pro rata the, the first part of this year, it's still on a price to sales ratio of, of close to one and a half times. Now, right. not, that doesn't, that's not crazy. It's certainly not crazy for a growth stock. But it's it it still requires a bit of decent growth, right? Mm. Um, so that was interesting. The other, oh, sorry, you're going to go, you go other companies now. Or? Uh, well, I'll quickly I'll quickly go. I'll mention the next one go because on. it it is so stark, and that is Redbubble. These are the ones you can go and get a t shirt and get some art put on it, and you just sort of make. Um, uh, coffee mugs, these kinds yeah, of yeah, things. Right. And and if you're an artist, you can put your content out there. People can put it on a shirt, gets delivered. Uh, did really well in COVID through masks, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you yeah, saw those yeah, sort of yeah, bespoke yeah. masks. Well, come out your so shot from home and, and sell your masks. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good one-two punch, right? Right, right. And so they've, they've come out and said um, – 
yeah, we're also doing massive uh, uh, costs. And oh, damn it, I've lost my notes. But the sheer magnitude mm-hmm. of it. Anyway, I, I went to the annual report and looked up their employee costs. Again, this is all public domain stuff. Just mm-hmm. look it up. It's, it's easy to do. And you go to the income statement, employee and contractor costs of $77 million. Now, this is a company that's top line, I think, is somewhere in the vicinity of two, $300 million dollars. Yeah, it's not a small amount. It's a big company, right? Like despite what the share price has done, it's, it's a sizable entity. But the the size of those costs, the size of that employee cost is $77 million. Imagine having a staff bill oh, of, of that. Now, not, not to downplay the, the um, challenge of the business, but, you know, it's a website with, with <laughs> some – do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. big part of them is sort of getting Google search rankings and the rest of it. And, and there's, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot to it, but gosh, that's a lot of money. And so no surprises. They've found a bunch of, of, of things to cut as well. So the question really is, like logically, it boils down to there's one of two – possibilities or perhaps a, a, a combination of the two. The first is that you just had too much bloat. When times were good, capital was cheap, you hired like a drunken sailor. <laughs> and, you know, it was just you, you had you had all kinds of staff perks and benefits and harbour cruises and, and whatnot. And it was just things just got really sort of really crazy. Right. If that wasn't, and in which case, you know, you, you've got to feel like no one mm-hmm. owns it, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what's happened. That's that, that's why you're able to sort you of cut so aggressively. Exactly, yeah. And they all say, Cog State was another one actually that came out this morning. This is an interesting company actually. We don't have time to go into, but mm. they, they're going to they're going to be uh, cutting a whole bunch of staff as well, something like 13% of their, their total um, uh, staff costs. And they said it doesn't impact our ability to pursue our growth ambitions. And this is more or less what all the other companies said. We are appropriately <laughs> resourced to pursue them. So, so- well, which, which is which, which, it? which is code for we so horribly mismanaged the company before we've finally seen yes. the error of our ways, but trust us, it's it's okay this time. Yeah, and and you know anyone who's been through this personally or just like yeah. within the workplace that they have, I mean, these are massively demoralizing yeah. uh, factors, and companies and really, really take people a bit who of gave it. up other jobs to take these jobs because they thought the company yep. was going places. It's 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 not it's not cost free, right? It's not cost free, so. Um, there's two there's two ways to look at it. One is a recognition of those past mistakes that are now being remedied. The long term vision and opportunity remains in place. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to suggest here in any, in any sense for any of these companies that that, that, that may um, be be the case. But it's exactly the it, right question to be asking given the circumstances. Absolutely, and it could be we could look back on some of these opportunities and go, "Wow, that was the time." They made a few missteps. The market got a bit overvalued. It was sort of you know partly the company's fault, partly the market's fault, but you know, there is a real business under here. And this is what companies, this is what, you know, a lot of private equity, will, they'll swoop in on companies that may have just been operating poorly, but there's a real nice core to it that just needs to sort of sort of be turned around. So it, it could actually, it could actually happen. But the other, the other angle to it is, and maybe this is more the case for Appen than others, but you're facing a very, you're very raison d'etre is, mm. is at threat here in just the very way that the AI development scene totally. is playing out. <laughs> That's right. Do you know? Like yep, where you yep, get yep. these machines that largely sort of teach themselves and it's actually a very nuanced uh, topic. There's a thousand different ways to sort of attack the problem. I don't think the way that they have been doing it with human <laughs> annotated data is going to go disappear anytime soon. It'll still play a role in that. But it was predicated from an investor's point of view on it being sort of everything and and it going to the, you know, the just, just getting bigger and bigger and more and more demand. 
And that's not the case anymore. So when you're when companies are, are going through a completely different direction strategically, and again, they're all undergoing the strategic reviews and the rest of it, it it's a very different proposition for an investor who can look at a business whose existing operations have been in play for a number of years and have a track record there. And you can see, yeah, whatever you're doing, people are paying for it and you're making money out of it. It could always turn. It could always turn. But that is it is different to, well, we're going to try this and we think it will work. And that's and that is, I think, the challenge. I, I don't know, mate. I, as you say, it really. There's very. Uh, I, I own shares in Amazon, as our listeners well know, and that's one business where they put on a whole lot of people because demand went through the through the roof. Demand's falling back because people are back in shops and not shopping only online anymore. They are some staff. I, I, I mean, I think there there are some businesses that are genuinely their staffing is a function of volume. So there, mm. there's there's some argument if you're a retailer. Or you're a business that has some combination of, um, you, you know, volume-based resource requirements. I can make half an argument for that because you know Amazon couldn't have grown without it. We want those sales and all that kind of stuff. That's all. That's all probably reasonable. But when you're when you're a business that scales beautifully like a technology company, um, I don't know, mate. I, it, I I wouldn't sell a business necessarily that had that experience. But I've got to say I'd mark management down a few notches because, as you say, either. They're kidding themselves and trying to – I won't say they're trying to kid the market because no one's being deliberately dishonest. But mm. if you believe you can cut your staff by X percent and have zero impact on your sales, either you managed this thing so horribly badly in the past that you had that – you wasted that much shareholder money for how long? That's a, that's a pretty damning indictment. If you then say, well, but we can get rid of them and not lose any sales moving forward, then – Again, you know, do, do I believe that? I, I can't, you know, I, whichever one of those is true, it reflects badly on management, surely. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it does. And and I think sometimes we can be too unforgiving. I, I think probably we expect perfection <laughs> from our management teams. We probably do. They're, they're human. They're going to make, I don't, yeah. I don't care too much i mean i prefer they didn't happen yeah, but i think right. when mis- when mistakes happen i think yeah. there's something to be said for those leaders that recognize it early accept responsibility and change it you know that's that's a very different story right exactly right? exactly um yeah yeah so that it, do- it does qu- it does bring all of this kind of stuff in in into question and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's i i know again from a lot of the ceo interviews we, we were doing is that there was a time, uh, probably about eighteen months ago now, where one of, when you we always ask, you know, what are one of the some of the challenges of running the business? Like, oh, we just can't get enough people. You know, good tech talent is very hard to find, and if you find it, it's very expensive yeah. because people fresh out of uni can go to San Francisco and earn, you know, ten million dollars a year in options and the rest of it. It's just very, very, very sort of tricky. I feel as though that's going to reverse a little bit too because yeah. we also know what – I mean, Elon kicked it off with Twitter and all the other big tech companies over there have followed suit. We're seeing the same exact thing here. I, I wonder if that's that's another sort of um, uh, positive, I guess, for those companies that do have good traction and momentum and good product and market fit and all the rest of it. They will now be able to get much uh, – there's a much larger pool of talent available now. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, yeah, and that goes both ways. I suppose the question is whether or not tech is the canary in the coal mine economically. It's I yeah, think there's, a, there's an yeah. open question as to you know what happens with unemployment moving forward. I mean, so you know if, you, if you're a tech company investor, uh, not necessarily a tech company. In this case, they're largely tech companies because they're the ones who've been hurt worst. You know what I you know if, I I'll tell you just quickly why I'm most skeptical about all this stuff is. Not only do I worry about which of those two things is true and either of them is great, either I mismanaged it or I'm going to hurt sales moving forward. 
but also the idea of like, but why are you doing it now? And the why you're doing it now is in a few cases, because we're going to run out of money if we don't. That's scary yes. enough in itself. We don't have a choice. The other one is because the share price is down and a fund manager is telling me to cut my costs because they want me more profitable. Again, in which case you overlay that and say, so you're letting the share price dictate your corporate strategy. And they'll also say, no, no, of course we're not. And in their quiet moments, I think a lot, large number of them would say, yeah, oh, yeah. we kind of are. And again, if you think Absolutely. about, you know, what's what's genuinely driving that business, um, if you want to, you know, I just, I, and again, they, they all feel like they have no choice, they'll justify it themselves. And at some point, if they have to raise capital, at some point, maybe there's some value in having a higher share price than a lower one. But again, even that kind of second order kind of thinking about it, it's like, why are you doing this now? You yeah. know, and either you're right, again, why are you doing this now? Firstly, you're going to run out of money if you don't. Well, dude, that was a pretty risky business strategy and that doesn't reflect well on you. Unless yeah. you said this is death or glory, which no one does. No one says, so here's the thing. We're going to try and run this business without you know, making a loss for a long time, rely on raising capital. If the credit markets freeze up, we're in trouble. Now, if, that, if that's in the risk statement of the last company presentation, full marks. If it's not, mm-hmm. then realizing all of a sudden yeah. you're just raising money is a problem. And if you're doing it just because the share price is down and you're not going to run out of cash, that's even worse. But either way, yes, yeah. why, why now? And the why now answer is because the market's telling me I should. And that yep. is just the very worst reason to make any decision ever. Yes. I think into your comment, re the canary in the coal mine, uh, again, we've got to be careful with this label of tech because tech yes. is everything these I've, days. Yes, exactly. Do you know what I mean? 100%. So what, what the current macro backdrop I think is revealing, this is the classic mm. you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out kind of buff, buffer kind of quote where we just had a lot of companies that were just bleeding cash and that was fine because there was funding available. I, I didn't I didn't need to fund my operations internally, so I didn't. And I could actually even do that with a reasonably straight face because these were this was about inventing and breaking into new markets and you know very large markets that have very big payoffs. And again, there's lots of examples of companies that successfully prosecuted that, just bled cash for years and then turned the money taps on. Um, so I think that's what's changed. If you're in a company that isn't at or near cash operating cash flow, that's what's changed. I think you're going to find it much more difficult. And, and there are some companies that will be in this, that situation by choice in the sense that we had a lot of growth initiatives and stuff that we, in R&D, we can dial back while keeping the core business going and that's fine. But if you're just not, you know, there's nothing left to sort of cut and you can't do it. I mean, this is, this is business, right? And this is, I think, we're going to see more and more of this happen. But I also think, and this is the interesting part, that within all of that, these kinds of things just wash over everything that's yeah. similar looking or sounding. Yes, exactly. So one, one, one example off the top of my head, and I mention it because it was in the news today because there was a cyber attack, uh, mm. is a company called Technology One, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure many people are aware of, but they provide... Uh, institutional grade software to uh, governments, mm-hmm. basically, um, uh, kind of like SAP kind of uh, enterprise solution software. Mm-hmm. Very high margin, mm-hmm. very sticky, Stickiest from a customer that's guaranteed to pay. Yeah. Um, they have not gone backwards in like, I mean, I haven't seen the latest kind of outlook or whatever, but their net profit was up 22% in the most recent full <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's just one of those, when you see the chart, it's just that perfect staircase of bottom left, top right, every year they just make more and more money. <laughs> and that's on a 30% 
pre-tax margin. That's high. In other words, for every dollar, <laughs> right. they keep 30 cents before tax, That's right? right? It, yep. It's just in. Yep. So, so I guess I'm, look, this is not a pitch for, for technology one. I don't own shares for the record. Me um, it's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> but but, but uh, this is why I kind of look at this with, with a little bit of optimism and rubbing my hands together because I feel on one hand, to your point earlier, two things can be true at the same time. Yes, there was a lot of bloat and malinvestment and stupidity in this kind of sector, and that will be revealed, and it will probably be something, you know, it's, it's statistically significant, you know, percentages of various industries will be revealed to be thus. But there will also be, within all of that, a lot of interesting babies that get thrown out with the bathwater. And I'm not saying this from a timing standpoint, we'll just wait for this, this, and this and go in, but they, they – they all of them, even the really good ones, have all come back from highs, and probably they needed to come back a little bit. But now we're at the other side of of the of the spectrum. I don't know how much further we'll go with a lot of these, but there are there is. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's opportunity in in all of this negativity. I think that's absolutely right, mate. And that and that is babies and bathwaters are really. I I'm not really a contrarian investor per se. You know, people think contrarian investors are those who either see the worst in everything or are the kind of, you know, the deep value cigar butt guys. And that's not me either. Um, but I do tend to really get allergic to uh, the crowd running in a particular direction. You know, I'm just, I've got that contrarian not kind of nature in me. Like if everyone loves a thing, we talk about this, actually it might've been Sunday's episode. We pre-recorded that one. I can't remember which one it was. Or it was last week. One mm-hmm. of the two. Either you have heard or you will hear about it. Um, you know, when everyone's running in one direction, either direction, I'm like, it's, probably overdone you know that, that idea of like when when you know warren buffett says in the stock market you pay a high price for a cheery consensus in other words yep. when everyone's loving it you're gonna pay a high price for that when everyone's hating it you'll pay a high price to ignore that in other mm-hmm. words the consensus itself is the problem not the not the online view the more certain everybody is about a thing the more you should absolutely be worried about it. when everyone says the market's doomed probably a good time to buy when everyone thinks the market's mm-hmm. spectacularly great everyone's excited about it uh, I'd be thinking twice about what you're paying for some of these stocks. Um, and, and that's, I mean- I know, think, again, can I, I just yeah. on that, I think the problem that, that people have with contrarianism is that mm. they think that it is, I do the opposite of the consensus. <laughs> Universally it's, by it's, definition, yes. By definition, no, no one's saying that. Yes. I mean, I'm going to stick with the consensus that jumping off the Harbour Bridge <laughs> is a bad idea. <laughs> exactly. That's a strong consensus. I'm not going yeah. to challenge that consensus. Fair, fair, you exactly. know? Yes, yes. But but I think I think you always you always want to take the counter not the counterfactual. You want to be the devil's advocate. That's and and often you do go through that journey and you still come out and you go actually no I'm still as, yeah. as excited yeah. if yeah, not yeah, more yeah. because I feel as though I understand the downside. But yeah, that to me is what a contrarian is is someone who takes seriously the other side. They may end up rejecting it, but I think to to blindly just run with that crowd is is just one of the dumbest things you can do. Yeah. And again, as you say, also also dumb to blindly bet against the crowd. I, I mean, I mentioned Amazon already, so I'll mention it again. You know, it, it was stupidly expensive in 1997, stupidly expensive in 2004, stupidly expensive in 2015, stupidly expensive in 2022, and here we are in 23. Um, down yeah. off its highs, by the way, uh, but that, that just that, that idea of just, you know, be careful assuming that the market is wrong all the time because it's not. Um, yep. But when you kind of, particularly when it's sentiment driven, when sentiment's in one direction, like, well, maybe there's something there. Um, yep. And I think it's, again, I'm not saying you should necessarily even do anything particular. Just be careful of what you do do in that scenario. Um, think about buy now, pay later stocks. 
12 months ago, 18 months ago, right? Mm. Um, cannabis stocks, we're going to get a question about that on Sunday. So I'm not going to pre-talk about that one other than say just listen out because we have a Great view example. We have a view on that. Yeah. Um, there's there's a whole lot of stuff, and it's just worth it's just worth keeping in mind. I think it's I think it's a, it's a really good yeah. point you make, mate, and a really really important one. Hey, um, let's just finish off with uh, there was there was a speaking of speaking of famous investors, uh, that very famous investor, the very one, had an annual meeting of his company on the weekend of Berkshire Hathaway. Warren Buffett we're talking about as well, and let's get the disclosure of the I own shares in Berkshire Hathaway. Um, had their meeting on the weekend. Uh, some interesting, 58th. yeah. I, <laughs> 58th annual meeting. And they, this, this was a failing textile company. Yeah. Now a multinational right. conglomerate exactly. that literally exactly. bails out foreign, exactly. uh, you know, uh, nation states. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just run through some some thoughts. Man. Let, let's try and make this a bit of a speed round of sorts because there was so much ground they covered. So, yeah. By the way, go to CNBC's YouTube site. Uh, now, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a challenge for our listeners, mate. Our podcasts are long, right? They are. The Berkshire meeting was probably about six hours long. Yeah. And here's my challenge to our listeners. You might even disagree with this, mate. If you do, that's great. I will say, just th- tongue firmly in cheek and yet not completely unseriously, if you're not prepared to listen to the greatest investor ever tell you about how to think about investing for six hours, you may not want to be an individual investor. And I guess I said, now, if you listen to 15 of them already, you're probably going to learn anything new, to be fair. But I guess I, I guess I would just make the point. People say, "Oh yeah, I should." Oh, it's very long. I'm not going to bother. It's like, dude, this is boring. This is boring. You get to literally hear Warren Buffett ask question, answer question for six hours. Get the get the full value of his expertise and and Charlie Munger, right? And and kind of two for if, one. If you don't think you have the time or it's boring or it's not interesting or whatever, that's cool. That might tell you you shouldn't be an investor. Is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean that pejoratively. I don't mean that to be overly harsh. Um, tongue a little bit in cheek, but also not not entirely because. Literally, these guys will give you for free the benefit of, as you said, 58 years of running Berkshire Hathaway, being investors. Buffett was born in 32. He's invested since he was 11. He's 11. This is not the dude you want to ignore, right? This is the guy who knows a few things about a few things. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, if you can't make some time. Andrew, you and I have been to the Berkshire meeting in person before, which was which was yep. fantastic. Um, so let, let's, do, let's do a quick... Um, a quick cook's tool, mate. Now, I'm going to cheat. I'm using an article from Guru Focus just by just because I, I should give them the credit because I'm going to read some of the stuff out here and uh, rather, than, rather than reinvent the wheel. But they, they, what I like about it is they went through um, effectively topic by topic as the questions were asked and answered and talked about. So here's, uh-huh. here's uh, the first one, mate. AI we've talked about a few times. Uh, Buffett said, quote, it can change everything in the world. Sorry, sorry, take it back. Buffett mentioned Albert Einstein, quote, talking about the atomic bomb. And Einstein said, it can change everything in the world except how men think. Now, we can say people these days. Uh, and Buffett said the same would be true of AI. In other words, it could do a lot of stuff for us, but it won't change how we think, how we potentially approach investing. The things that matter, Buffett has said before, temperament matters. Um, a quote from Buffett, I'll get your thoughts. Quote, new things coming along don't take away the opportunities. It's people doing dumb things end quote, that create those opportunities. AI, mate, uh, blessing or a curse for investors? Jeez, uh, I, I, I think a blessing to humanity if you really want to go there, but I, I, it, it, it's a, it, it could be the exact opposite. Um, I, I look, I will listen to Buffett all day long. <laughs> um, I, I seem sacrilegious to say it, but I, I don't put a lot of stock in him and Charlie's view. They're not technologists, right? <laughs> they they self they they claim that themselves. Yeah. 
And and Warren Buffett's uh, BFF is no other than Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. And he does know a bit about technology. A bit. He's and a so <laughs> Buffett did reference him and, and yeah. sort of pointed to some of the, the scary things that, that could kind of happen. But mm. he doesn't know. I mean, what Buffett enjoyed, and he again says this, right? He the luckiest person in the world in terms of the lottery mm. he won, in where he was born, the circumstances he was born, and and the time that he was born. He got to do this stuff when no one really had any kind of science behind sort of mm-hmm. investing. He got to do it through an incredible period of prosperity and growth for the biggest, most powerful country in the world. So I don't, I don't want to, I got to be careful what I'm saying here. I'm not, I don't want to tread on Buffett at all, you know, and there are plenty of other people who lived through the same circumstances who didn't achieve anywhere near that kind <laughs> yeah, of success. Right, exactly. But this is, I mean, if you want to get grand, this is a this is like a once in a civilization kind of event with mm. with AI, and and I don't think he or even someone like Bill Gates or any of us really understand the potential for that. So it's interesting. I mean, he Buffett tends to be very nah, this too shall pass. You know, mm. there's nothing new under the sun kind of thing, which is more of an old man to say. And I <laughs> I discount a little bit of his his views on on AI. Fair enough. Uh, we're going a couple minutes, mate. Circle of competence. I like. I love this quote from well this is actually a combination of quotes from Buffett and Munger Buffett says quote we don't get smarter over time but we do get wiser well, and Munger like replied we are not so smart but we know the edge of our intelligence now Munger is a genius polymath as is Warren Buffett so he's being a very very humble and uh, very self-deprecating but isn't that good we don't get smarter over time but we do get wiser I don't know yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that doesn't go a long long way to describing in investing success. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, it's a religion for me. Like mm-hmm. I am very, very aware of what I don't know. There's so many companies I come across, which just in so many ways look interesting, mm-hmm. but I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like just, I, I'm, I'm completely unfamiliar with the industry, the mm-hmm. business model, exactly. Well, it's not, tar- you might be targeted for su- surgeons in Southeast Asia for some niche kind of proceeding. It sounds good. And I'm happy just to let those ones go by. And you regret it sometimes, but most often you don't. So I just, I love, I love that idea of with investing, I think you feel as though you need to be across everything and, 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 and steeped in all of this stuff, but I just know where, know where you've got a little bit of extra competency and just focus there, you know? Like, great. Love it. Very, very cool, mate. I want to finish off with this one. Um, uh, so... Talk about the challenges America faces. Now, Buffett's always been, to your point, very much a, it'll be fine, don't worry about it, but we need to kind of make sure we work on it. Um, He said, the problem the US faces is that partisanship has turned to tribalism, which means democracy needs to be redefined. He said, it's an exciting world, it's a challenging world. And then Charlie Munger, who can be a little more taciturn, a little more, I'm not sure pessimistic is the right word. Well, no, it's almost that that kind of, he said, um, uh, the best road ahead to human happiness is to expect less. And I thought that it's, it's both incredibly true. It's also a little bit sobering, kind of like, yeah. yeah, and I don't I don't think he necessarily meant things are going to get worse. I think he's just generally saying, it's a very Benjamin Franklin quote, you know, the, the what is it? What is that thing? It's not Franklin, but happiness is reality divided by expectations. Um, oh, yes. Your expectations, yeah. you know, it's, it's there, I think he's always been a, a low expectations kind of guy. Um, yeah. But I did think it was an interesting kind of exchange in terms of the challenges facing the US, the Western world, uh, and potentially investors in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. You also got asked on the uh, um, a question about the, the budget, um, ceil- the debt ceiling and mm. the budget and the deficit and all of that kind of stuff. Um, 
And his answer was, uh, we've said it before. Uh, uh, he must be listening to the podcast, I think. <laughs> but he was uh, saying, <laughs> you know, government, the, fiscal, the fiscal response needs to be yes. much more uh, yes. heavily used. You know, what are you expecting of one central banker to, to do? There's only so much and you, we need to change. Yeah. But it was interesting. I said to you off air, it's like he acknowledged that, well, it'll be a problem if we don't do something about it. <laughs> Munger was even more blunt about it. It's like, you know, yeah, this yeah. is bad. Yeah. No one, this is not a, they didn't downplay the seriousness of the situation. Right. Yeah. But it was a little bit disconcerting. It was just like, I'm sure that why, cooler heads of wiser minds will prevail. I'm like, geez, I hope so. <laughs> <There's> no, <laughs> you better be sure. No, exactly. Yeah, that's right. There's that's no right. sort of, and he didn't really offer any path. Not that I'm expecting mm-hmm. him to, or, you know, it's a, it's a big question. So that was interesting. Exactly. And exactly. The, the bank side of things was interesting too, because he has sold down the banks. And he, but, he, but he did mention yes. something that he would be an interested player. And I just, I, I chuckled to myself because, I look. I don't. I don't know. So I'm just completely navel gazing. But I, 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 when you've got that much cash, mm-hmm. how many billions they've got just stuffed under the mattress <laughs> yeah. there, and you know what's happening in the U.S. banking mm-hmm. system, you're just going to sit back and the phone will ring mm-hmm. when it's time. You know. And he he did it in the GFC. I'm pretty sure he'll do it again. He will be picking up wonderful assets oh, gotcha. at pennies on the dollar. Absolutely. Pennies on the dollar. And and so I don't expect him to go and make any big direct plays now. It, it will be an off-market transaction if it, mm-hmm. if it happens. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I thought he was a little bit coy with his answer. So. What I thought was interesting, mate, is they're selling, they've sold all their banks except for the Bank of America deal that they did. And what's yes. interesting about Buffett too, there's, there's, it's, this is worth just quickly highlighting. Is Very interesting. It's worth, <laughs> Buffett's view is, and I think, I'd like to think he's right, maybe this is because that's what I think anyway. Uh, he's holding back. He didn't say as much, but he initiated the Bank of America deal. He called the Bank of America CEO and said, hey, let me give you some money. Give me some preferred stock. Really great deal for me. And it'll shore up your kind of support both financially and and kind of uh, politically or, or whatever. That was mm. important. Uh, but then he, sa- then he said he sold everything else. And I think he didn't sell the Bank of America because he felt like he did the deal. And so he owes them. Well, not owes them, mm. but owes them the support that he offered them in the first place. And mm. I just thought that was worth thinking about because mm. yes, you don't want to let loyalty take everything but also yeah. being someone of your word is important because next time there's a deal you know they'll take it oh yeah and bank of america is is arguably a, a different proposition as well to to others all right mate. well I, I, it was a, it was a really I, I really i really enjoyed it i gotta say it's it kind of like it's like going to church you know it's one of those things where the ch- the preacher's never gonna say anything different the bible's not gonna have any new words and it. it's not like all of a sudden they go oh it turns out we found a new thing right so it's always a case of what was there what do we find what was it worth um, uh, not much genuinely new, but that's kind of the point, right? It's, it's that idea mm. of just being brought back to, that's right, these things matter. These things maybe don't matter. Particularly, I mean, you just spent time talking about tech and the, the the gyrations there and everything else. And, you know, Buffett and Munger, Berkshire's just kind of the old the old diesel train that just keeps chugging along, a tortoise and hare style, you know. They, they pick your analogy, pick your metaphor. I, uh, I, I, okay, and Chess, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I, am, I am still hopeful that Uncle Warren and Uncle Charlie are immortal. I'm not convinced yet they will eventually die, but uh, Warren's 92, I think Charlie's 99, I think. By the way, if you if you have, if there are any smarter, more, um, uh, they, they, were, they were really, really sharp for, for 90 mm-hmm. year olds, or 90, you know, 92, 99 year olds. Really, really, yeah, really fingers sharp. Fingers crossed, guys. hey, Bloody like, yeah, that's that's definitely a life goal to be able to be half as articulated at that age. That's the thing. It's one know. thing to live that long. It's another thing to be so incredibly good, like just really, yeah. really great. Uh, I sat, yeah. sat on chairs for six hours in front of a stadium of 40,000 people on a live stream answering mm. questions with no notice. I mean, that, yeah, it's bloody impressive. Yeah, and, and really like he knew – 
detail that you wouldn't oh, yeah. expect yeah. the head of such a large conglomerate to know, <laughs> like the number of planes yeah. and, you know, just yeah. like all kinds yeah. of things, which was just, yeah, super, super sharp, stuff. super, super sharp. Yeah, very, very impressive. Um, yeah, well, well, you, I, I, you, after, despite what you said at the start, I didn't watch it. Oh, um, no. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I definitely catch up on a lot of clips yeah. and stuff. I let I let others on Twitter and other places do the heavy lifting <laughs> yeah. for me, partly because I have I have sort of seen it so many I, times. I was going to say honestly, you know, I I, I still watch because I, I think it is that church service service thing. But it's not like the first yeah. time you hear the gospel, right? That that's a different thing. The first, yeah, you know, I I don't think you can. Well, I was I don't think you should not ever have watched a few of these because I think that's important. After a point, yeah. as you say, it's just you, you, the sound bites are enough. Yes. Yep. I just like, I think the thing that's changed and the lesson that so many fail to learn from it is it's mm. the, the big part of the success is, well, obviously having a winning strategy, but it's not a complicated strategy. Like in, in, in broad brushstroke terms, it's, it's not that hard, but it's, yeah. it's the consistency. That's the thing right? that sticks yes. out for me yes. just to, to, to show up. Yeah. Just do things yeah. day after day when times are good, when times are bad, when times are good, they're, they're not rushing out to spend money and expand, you know, do all the, they, they just, every decision is, is framed through the lens of return on invested capital uh, or some version of that, which yeah, just, right. so, so, it sounds crazy to say, but so few companies do, yes, right? Exactly. It's just like, it's not the amount <laughs> yep. that you're spending yep. or, or, or what it's going to do to earnings per se. It's more about what is the return that I am getting. So that's yeah. that massive hyper-disciplined focus on, on that. Um, and and when times are bad, doing the opposite, not being afraid mm-hmm. to invest, and mm-hmm. and where, where everyone else gets too wild and crazy in the good times, they get too scared and fearful in the bad times. They're not. They're just they're just very very consistent. I think that's the point, um, right? I mean, they themselves say, you know, most of us just come from not doing anything stupid. Yeah, you know, avo- avoiding the own goals and just kind of letting time do its thing. This is this is investing one hundred and one, right? Like it's not. Yeah. I mean, look, they are, they are incredibly smart guys. We're not going to be as smart as either of them ever. So well, I'm not anyway, you might be. Uh, but I'm not going to be that smart. No. And, but you don't need to be. That, that's that, like the entire point for all of the activity, for all of the trading systems and software packages and whatever, what, everything else that goes with it. It's just like, no, no, we just, we just do the right thing over and over again. And slowly but surely, compounding takes care of the rest. And it's yep. like, it's, it, and, and people, want, people want more. Like, yeah, but, but what, do you, what do you really do? Yeah, you know, what what, mm. what what stock should I then buy? Or, you know, okay, well that, that's what good for everyone. But if you want to really do well, what do you do then? It's like mm. these guys are the best ever. This is not these these are not the you know the average investor. You know, the old bloke in the corner who bought you know two stocks and did moderately okay, roughly in line with the market. And he's saying I've got the secret. These guys have streeted the market for fifty eight years. Yep. Like there's there's no yeah, and and not by doing anything particularly genius. There's no oh yeah, what we did was X Y Z. You know, mm. we 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 discovered this this flaw in the system. We exploited this inefficiency, and we used this software to trade this or high speed market. That, yeah, like, there's none of that. It's just literally, yeah, we just bought good quality business and we found them and then recycled the cash. It's like, yep, that's literally. Uh, it. That's the, I mean, look, execution is again another thing, yeah. but but they're they're focused on the right north star. Yes, and I think the other thing that Berkshire gets so right is culture. I, I've I've long thought that the, the the CEO's role is just twofold: it's capital allocation and it's culture. Yep, like you can't. You know, particularly of any reasonable size organization, you just can't be across everything else. Right. And so that's why culture is so it sounds like this airy fairy mm-hmm. kind of thing that's yeah, I guess it makes a difference. But no, it's it's kind of everything. And all of the really great companies, people love going there, they love showing up, they work harder, they just mm-hmm. it's it's it is so 
and, and, and this is what Buffett has done. Just to your earlier point, why I don't think you need to be worried as an investor when, when he and Charlie either retire or forced to retire um, <laughs> uh, is that they have set up such a great culture. So all the businesses they buy, they don't send in their own management team. Yes, they don't exactly. gut the place out. Exactly. It's like, this person's been running this business incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Come into our fold. We will be an unlimited source of capital for you, but keep yeah. doing your yeah. job. Hundred percent. So you know they don't. They don't. They don't do that. They don't micromanage. Yeah. And, and there's no financial engineering. It's like there's there's, no, there's nothing. Genuinely nothing uh, unusual or, or, or weird or special. It's just literally just do the simple things moderately well. Like it's it it sounds. Yep. It, it sounds too good to be true. It sounds like we're not trying hard enough. Or they're not trying hard enough. It's like that's that's literally their thing. The other thing, and again, that that idea of Buffett has made many comments for many many years mm. now about they could have juiced their growth a lot more yeah. had they deployed more of their cash and done it. But they've always kept this gigantic mm-hmm. cash cushion, which is really a handbrake on things. Of course, if you absolutely. think it from a imagine, imagine f- they spend financial, that all and borrow more again. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, they could have been ten times the size, or, <laughs> or they correct. could have been zero. <laughs> exactly. Right, and so there's yep. another lesson, sort yep. of full circle, on what we were talking about before. It's yep. a sort of like they were obviously they're after mm-hmm. growth, and obviously they have grown, but it was never done. It, the company's existence was never threatened. Correct. You know, by, by any of that. Not that they couldn't have gone out of business, but mm-hmm. they didn't put themselves in a situation where they were on thin ice, and. You know, I saw I was watching a, a doco on YouTube of all places uh, last night on Credit Suisse, mm. and and again, it just that was the other thing that stood out from the counter example here is that the culture was so bad, and everyone <laughs> in the industry knew how bad it was, and they were right, all right, cowboys right, right. and cocaine and hookers and just. I mean, I'm I'm, I, I'm probably being very unfair to a lot of really high quality people that that worked <laughs> exactly. there, but I mean, you just you just have to see the litany of, yeah, of yeah. what happened throughout the last decades, you know, of, of what they were involved in with money laundering and uh, oligarchs yeah. and all kinds, of, you know, tax dodging and, and it was just, and they had CEO after CEO after CEO come in, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to mm-hmm. fix it. And you can't fix culture overnight. My favourite local example, as everyone knows, is AMP, the same similar kind of thing that's that's there. So I find, my, I guess my broader point is if you find a company that, ha- and it's, look, it's very hard to tell from the outside, but if you find a, a company with a good culture, it's an incredibly hard moat to build uh, and it's an incredibly powerful source of, of competitive advantage, I, I would argue very strongly. And that's that's what Buffett has with, with Berkshire, an, an incredible culture, disciplined leadership that are very, very patient and very, very disciplined. And I think, mate, that is a wonderful note to finish on. Uh, the old, uh, I have a T-shirt, um, which I think my, I'm pretty sure my wife bought for me, which got WWBD on it. What would Warren Buffett do? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and I think that's uh, that's a very good, like seriously. If you're trying to if you're trying to do something different to Buffett, I, I, have, a, I have a even though you said you disagree with Buffett before at AI, and you're probably right. My, my general approach is if I disagree with Warren Buffett, I assume I'm the one who's wrong. And that, that I think that's <laughs> yeah, if, if more if yeah. more investors just did that did it that way, not that they'd be right every time, but generally speaking, that's a very very good heuristic to try and actually make some serious long term money. Is 
if Buffett agree, disagrees with me, I want to really, really reconsider whether I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. I should I should clarify. I'm not saying that I disagree no, with him no. per se. He's just not my go-to for information. on. It's like if I wanted, you know, some some advice on the, the best strategies when you're playing Fortnite. You know, yeah. I'm not asking Buffett. <laughs> I think this, this, this is one of the frustrating things I, no. I just in general, but with mm-hmm. with the meeting there, like because they are on such – incredible pedestals they they and they're incredibly good at what they do it it is often assumed that well therefore you know everything about everything and there's some things that they've opined on in the past which i just kind of think look i have so much incredible respect for you but this is just you talk about circle of competence it's like you know i did charlie on that did charlie mention anything about china because he's been very pro china for a long time and i feel as though that's getting a more difficult situation for him to articulate um, he did. I. It was interesting, actually. I think the both both Buffett and Munger. I can't remember who did, said what, and it's kind of there's usually not much difference anyway. Basically, saying that both governments are going out of their way to not be friendly with each other, which is pretty counterproductive for everybody. Was I right. think the kind of the broad very idea. safe answer? So, yeah, yeah. We're just the kind of idea of like you know um, picking fights with each other is probably not the smartest thing to do when we get much more by working together. Yeah, which yeah. was which was pretty interesting. Though I will say, yeah. Buffett sold out of Taiwan Semiconductor because yes. this was based in Taiwan. Well, a lot of questions on Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, which is which yeah. is fascinating. Hey, yeah, uh, mate, will you come back on Sunday? Yeah, let's do it. We I think some, I already have. Well, yeah, the t- temporal <laughs> blah blah blah. There's something Star Trek about it, or what's the time travel one? Quantum leap or something. Quantum I don't know. <laughs> he was Scott Bakula. <laughs> Lovely. That's a great reference. There's a throwback. Uh, most yeah. of it, yeah, most of it. Always won't get that, but that's a great show. Let's go with Rick and Morty. That's a bit more contemporary. <laughs> I have no idea. You don't know what I'm talking about, do I've you? I've heard of them. That's all I can tell you. Oh, do yourself a favor. Oh, it's great. I doubt that very much. Uh, until <laughs> yesterday slash Sunday, both two at the same time, that's Quantum Leap. Full on. <laughs> Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.